Yo, what's up, guys? It's Street Champs. Today we got Brad Doss, president of Doss Financial, in here. How you doing today, bro? Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me here. Of course, man. Excited to have you. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. So um, tell the people a little bit about what you do. Um, so basically, I own Doss Financial Incorporated. It's an accounting firm here in Pueblo. Um, born and raised. I went. I graduated from CSUP in 2014. I uh, tried to get an accounting job somewhere else and no one would hire me and then I just fell into the right situation and just ended up starting my own. So we do bookkeeping for small business. We do um, tax returns, sales tax, payroll, payroll taxes, and then uh, income tax returns and everything in between there. So, so yeah. Oh yeah. So um, what are some of the small businesses you worked with? Um, a ton. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, last, like this, this in 2020 tax season, I did over 200 tax returns through my firm. Um, so, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything kind of big, um, you know, I know like Madero Pest, I work with them. They're one of my clients. They're pretty big. They're out in Pueblo West. Um, but, uh, you know, I work with, um, I work with just a bunch of different people and, uh, not everyone's from Pueblo either. I have clients actually kind of spaced out throughout the country so so it's uh it's pretty fun but yeah Mm -hmm. heck yeah um so how long have you um been an accountant um i started the company in 2016 in july of 16 i started it so just over five years now we've been we've been open like i said i graduated in 14 and i tried for two years to get a job but everyone wanted everyone wanted experience and I didn't have much experience, so, so yeah, I was kind of, um, kind of stuck. I was almost to the point where I was just like, maybe accounting isn't what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but eventually it finally worked out. So yeah, about five years now we've been open and, and running. So. Oh yeah. Uh, how old are you? Uh, 30. 30? Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. Nah, man. So. 30s and you 21. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I feel young. <laughs> but once the three's in the front, then you're like, oh, sh- damn. <laughs> Are you kind of the younger so, guy in the accounting world? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not a very young profession. I don't I don't think I know anybody at 30 at my age that's in accounting, really, especially not anyone at when I was 25 or 26. When I look back at it, it's almost crazy that some of these older business owners trusted me at 25 years old, 26 years old to do their bookkeeping and stuff like that. So super fortunate. But yeah, it's it's definitely not a popular field. People, you know, everyone hears accountant and they just think like the most boring, life-sucking job out <laughs> there, which it might be if you're working for someone else, but owning the company is a lot different too. So Definitely. Do you have um, accountants working under you? Um, I've had a couple different employees. It's been it's been that's been one of the most challenging things. Um, I had a remote employee that we had work in that was doing a lot of the payroll side of things, and um, and then that didn't really work out. So then I uh, hired somebody else, and then they quit um, before they even started because they got another job somewhere else. And then I, uh, I had some help this past tax season also for about six months. I hired somebody and, uh, yeah, she was doing great. She was really, really helping me out, but she ended up leaving also for, uh, 
for another accounting job. So right now it's just me and then my wife is helping me too. Um, so it's kind of the slow time yeah. um, in between tax season. So I'm hoping that come January we'll be able to find somebody else to, to fill in before tax time gets here. It gets too crazy. So, But, yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard trying to find people. Yeah, like you said, a lot of people just envision <laughs> – a boring job so maybe they don't want to study and go into that you know so there's not even a big pool to pick from yeah yeah there isn't and um i graduated from csup there was only a handful of accounting majors that graduated in my class maybe mm. i don't know maybe 10 to 15 people of that 10 to 15 people there's only maybe four of them that i know are even still in town and only two of them i can think of off the top of my head three of them that are actually in accounting like they kind of either left or just didn't even go into the field so so it makes it difficult to to find somebody that's that's uh, trained in accounting but even when you find somebody it's um man it's difficult to compete with some of these um government accounting jobs and stuff with benefits and um like more hours and stuff like that so I understand why it's hard to keep people here, but uh, but we'll keep we'll keep looking. <laughs> yeah, um, I bet like one of your biggest competitors would be like TurboTax. Um, somewhat, yeah. So, um, you know, I uh, I do a lot of individual tax returns, but I also do a lot of business tax returns too. So, like TurboTax. Um, TurboTax is obviously really great for like very simple tax returns or um, just someone that doesn't have a lot going on, just a W-2 job and like a kid or something like TurboTax makes sense because my tax, my tax fees usually will start at least at like 175 for, per return. Whereas a lot of times with just a W-2, something very, very simple, you could do it on TurboTax for free mm. and you know, you, you might be missing some things, but if it's a lot of times there's not much that you're missing, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I would say, um, like, uh, I get really, I guess if I, if I had like a main competitor, it'd probably be, be other accounting firms more than anything. Really? But, um, but, uh, there's, there's just, everyone needs their taxes done. So there's, there's, there's so many clients. I don't feel like, I don't feel like in a big competition with anybody, you know, because I have a pretty consistent in incoming of new clients mm -hmm. all the time. So everyone, everyone needs it, <laughs> which is the great thing for me. <laughs> yes. Do you think any other um, accounting firm in, that you know of has uh, the social media presence that you do? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know of anybody. I mean, that's kind of what why I really wanted to to do it and pursue it because. Um, you know, a lot of the accountants in this town that I know for sure, they're, they're getting older. They're in their sixties or something, you know, they don't have social media. Mm -hmm. They're not even on Google. You can't even Google their business. It's just word of mouth almost, you know? And so to, to have the presence on social media is, has been huge, I think. And I have a fun time doing it. So, <laughs> but oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So just so that people know. You make uh, TikToks, right? Yeah, so that's what I've been doing. My that's what I've been into right now mm -hmm. <laughs> is TikTok. That's a good way. That's a good so, strategy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 like one of the the best ways to organically grow. Still, 
it's super hard to grow. Um, I, ironically, like my biggest presence is on Facebook and I don't ever mess with Facebook, but I think I have almost 500 page likes on, on my Facebook page and I really should utilize it more, but I just, I don't have that much fun with, (laughs) with Facebook. I'm more fun doing TikTok and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I've been making, um, tax related TikToks, uh, and then, I post those across all the platforms, so I've I've seen a pretty good amount of growth in the two two and a half months I've been doing it. Posted on YouTube Shorts and posted on Reels and uh, posted on TikTok. So, yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of videos that. Yeah, it's really informational, straight to the point. I think that's what people are looking for in in accounting conversations. I guess because, like me, a lot of people don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's uh when I when I'm thinking of like content to make, a lot of times I forget that, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I don't want to make this video because who doesn't know that? But I forget like, <laughs> not a lot of people will know this information or something. Yeah, it's it's not taught in school. It's not, and it's complex too. And it changes every every year, every month, all the time. It's always changing. So, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I try to. I try to make it informative, but I try to not make it boring too, you know. So, um, I've seen a lot of like videos of just um, someone sitting in front of a desk, like going over this, this, and this. And sometimes that's the way to do it. But to me, I, I like social media because it's it's fun for me too. So I, that's boring to me. I like to do something that's going to be fun mm-hmm. and informational at the same time. So definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. Um... When when would you say that you be started to become uh, financially aware? Oh geez, now we're really getting into some <laughs> some juice. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, uh, in high school, like I would say, tenth grade, tenth or eleventh grade, I took a uh, accounting course at Pueblo West High School actually, and I really liked it. I really liked the accounting side of it. And then uh, when I went to CSUP, I was undeclared major for the first year. And then I ended up just saying, well, you know, I like that one accounting class, so I'll go into that. So that's kind of how I got into accounting. But then in, in the sense of financial awareness or whatever, I guess you could say, that started around the same time um, when I got my first job. Uh, I was just always budgeting, always keeping track of my money. Um, it's just, it's always something that's been intriguing to me is, is money. So yeah, it's, um, it's been there for a while. <laughs> um, like, like, what, what was, what were some of your mindsets about it very young? Cause like, I guess, you know, maybe someone like me, I didn't start becoming financially aware until I was like in my twenties, you know? Yeah. Start saving money and looking into investing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I mean, it, for me, where it, um, where it really like, I became more aware of like money mm-hmm. was when I saw my mom basically go through bankruptcy and get our cars repossessed and everything like that. And it was just <clears throat> like from the outside looking in, you would never know that there was like financial issues or something, you know, inside the household. 
but there was like huge financial issues in the household, which led to huge relationship issues inside the household. You know what I mean? And so I think at a young age, I processed that and I was like, okay, like no money is problems. You know, everyone says more money, more problems, but I definitely saw it as like no money equals more problems. So like a way to be, to have less problems in your life is to have more money. And I mean, it's honestly kind of true. I still believe that to this day, you know, but I mean, I think that's really where it started was that sense. I, 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 um, watching like the cars get repossessed, you know what I mean? And, um, we had dirt bikes. I used to like love taking my dirt bike out. That got repossessed. Like, like it was, it was like pretty traumatic when I look back on it, you know? And, uh, it, uh, it just made me realize like, debt debt is terrible you know like I, I've growing up I was so debt adverse like I wouldn't take loans out for anything um and I, I still am very debt adverse I have I have debt now I guess quote unquote like good debt or whatever you want to say but um but I wouldn't touch I wouldn't take any money out I wouldn't borrow money from anybody I would just whatever I made I made it work somehow you know and I've always been pretty entrepreneurial spirit in in uh, college I was working part-time at Walmart and then I broke my cell phone at the time so I re- I learned how to replace the screen and I was like dang like that was pretty easy and cheap um so I started f- uh flipping cell phones and fixing cell phones for people in college and I was making the same amount of money flipping phones as I was working at Walmart. And that really started to open up my eyes. So like the entrepreneur side of things too was to just make more money that way. So definitely kind of just always been there and mm-hmm. just kind of showed up in weird ways, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, something you just said, what is, what is good debt? Uh, well, what people consider good debt would be like mortgage debt is considered good debt. Um, because, you you owe money on the house, but the house is a, uh, an asset that's gaining value at the same time. And a lot of, especially right now, the mortgage interest rates are so, so low that you can invest money and make more money than what you're borrowing. So even if you had $200,000 in cash and you wanted to go buy a house and you could buy it in cash and not have a mortgage on it at all, the mortgage is only at say two to three to three percent interest that you're paying on it, whereas you can invest that two hundred thousand dollars and make eight to ten percent on it. So, in that sense, it's it's good debt. You you don't necessarily you just you make more money investing it than borrowing it. In that sense, mm-hmm. um, there's not a lot of good debt. Some some student loan debt, depending on who you ask, people can consider it good debt. Um, there's kind of parameters on how much student loans you can get um i guess that's that's kind of about the only good debt honestly (laughs) and bad debt credit cards and cars big time like payday lenders are the worst of the worst but then credit cards are probably the second worst what's a payday lender um like um check cashing places you know they go give you an advance on your paycheck kind of thing so they're usually in like the the poor neighborhoods. Definitely, they it's it's really messed up because they they literally just prey on on poor communities. Those companies do. You're short like two hundred bucks, 
and you go in they'll give you 200 bucks and then when your paycheck gets here they want 250 bucks or something kind of like that their interest rates are really really high is kind of the point of it um so that and credit card debt the interest on credit card debt is so high if you carry a balance it's just it's just eating you alive you know if you've ever had a credit card and not paid it off which i think probably everybody has i've done it um if you have a thousand dollar balance, your minimum payment's like forty bucks, but thirty five of that is interest. Like you'll never pay it off. Um, and then car debt, uh, car debt can be considered bad debt too. It's just because your car's going down in value while you still own, you're still owing money on it. So you buy a car for twenty grand, and you have a five year note on it. By the time you pay that five-year note off, you're going to end up paying thirty grand for the car, but then the car's only going to be worth, you know, seven or ten grand or something like that. So, um, so that's kind of the consensus of like good versus bad debt, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some financial mistakes that you've made that you kind of see like young people around you make? I guess. Uh, yeah, I made. I've honestly, I've made a lot of financial mistakes. Um, my. I would say my first biggest financial mistake was I got a credit card in Wells from Wells Fargo when I first went to college. It was for nine hundred bucks. I maxed it out on car parts. I maxed it out on car parts. I think I bought like a set of rims and a set of tires for it. And then uh, I made the minimum payment on it for like six months, and I never paid it off ever. Like it went into the collections. And then uh, they ended up sending me a letter that I actually had to put on my tax returns. And they they canceled that debt for me, but I had to pay income tax on it. Um, So that was a bad mistake. Financially, like from a money standpoint, I didn't lose money doing it. But it definitely messed up my credit score pretty good. Um, That was was an eye-opening experience with credit cards. And then um, when I went to college... I took out student loans, which I definitely wish I did not do. Um, I basically had, I could have went to college 100% debt free because I, my family qualified for basically free college through FAFSA. Like I got enough grants to cover the cost of CSUP, but I failed out too many semesters. I failed out one semester and then uh, they took it away. So then I had to get student loan debt. And that was, I think I ended up taking out about $20,000 of student loan debt. And um, I just, I paid it, I just paid it all off in January of 2020. I became student loan debt free, which was like the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of, the, that's kind of the two biggest things I've done that, that were, I would definitely regret doing. So those financial mistakes, they didn't really, uh, they, they didn't stop your financial growth. They kind of uh, propelled it, you think? Um, yeah, I mean, they <clears throat> they were lessons to learn for sure. Mm-hmm. If I look back on it, I mean, and I took that $20,000 of student loan and I invested it at 22 years old, I'd probably be $100,000 by now, you know, so I mean, that part sucks, but you know, yeah, you learn. I, there's people that have hundred thousand dollars student loan debt, so in that sense, twenty grand. I'm fortunate mm-hmm. enough to leave with only twenty, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to have it paid off now. So it was a learning experience. 
I don't I don't want my son to have to take student loan debt out. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so you have a son. How old is he? He's almost a year. It's like eleven months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, man. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's crazy. They grow up too quick. <laughs> it's been a long year. That's for sure. A long but a short year. Somehow at the same time. Soon he'll be maxing out his credit card. I know. On car parts. I know. I'll be like, oh, Toby, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> How funny. Um, so you were talking about investments. Uh, at what age did you start investing? Are you talking about like a stock market? Yeah, like just the retirement accounts. Um, well, I worked at Walmart and then I worked at Best Buy throughout college and after college. So I was investing into the 401ks at those companies and getting the match there. I didn't really know much about it. I just knew I signed up for it and um, whatever companies they were through, like Voya or something, that those those companies were basically um, purchasing inside of my 401k to invest it. Um, <clears throat> so I was doing that. And then once I left Best Buy, I really stopped investing while I started growing the company. Um, and I just, start, I just restarted investing about uh, about a year and a half ago or so <clears throat> into uh, Roth IRAs right now. So it's kind of off and on. Mm-hmm. What is a, first off, what is a 401k? A uh, 401k is a retirement plan through your employer. So a lot of 401ks, they offer a match in the sense. So um, if you put in 3% of your paycheck, your employer puts in 3% too. And that 3% they put in is just free money that they're giving you to invest. So that's why 401ks are so great because even if you um, invest all that money and the stock market goes down, you're still making money because you're already at 100% growth because they're they're matching it. You put in 30, they, they give you 30 bucks right away, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, so 401ks are are great because they're uh, you can't beat them because it's free money your your company's giving you that free money and uh, that's how a lot of people become millionaires is through 401k plans just consistent consistent investing into it so inside the 401k plan you have different options to invest that money um, but those options vary with who's carrying the plan but yeah 401k is through through your employer Mm-hmm. And they're usually pretty good. They're usually good to take advantage of for sure. It's free money. Yeah. What's a what's that Roth RIA R, R, uh, R, What is it? IRA. IRA. Yeah. Individual yeah. <laughs> retirement account. Um. So there's a Roth IRA and then there's traditional IRA. They're the same accounts. They're just retirement accounts too. They're similar to like a 401k, but they're not through um through a company policy or anything like that. They're just individual. You can you put money in and you invest it into stocks or mutual funds, um, ETFs. You can basically purchase anything inside an IRA that you can purchase in a 401k. So the actual assets you purchase in those two are the same, but the only difference is the IRAs are you doing it individually outside of work. Um, the Roth IRA in particular the money that you put in, you pay tax on, but when you take the money out at retirement, you don't pay tax. Whereas a traditional is reversed. So if you, the money you put into a traditional, you don't pay tax on, but when you take the money out, you do pay taxes on it. So 
depending on your situation, it kind of depends on which one's better. But mm-hmm. um, like but, in what in what sense? So, generally speaking, if you're, it's we kind of look at your tax rate that you pay in, during the year between your state income and your federal income taxes. If you are paying between 30-ish, around 30%, a lot of times it's better to put into a traditional and you get the tax benefit this year. And then when you retire, the thought is that your tax rate will be lower because you're going to be making less money in retirement. Whereas if your tax rate's under 30%, a lot of times it's more beneficial to invest into the Roth IRA because the growth inside of your retirement accounts, the growth is going to be what the majority of the money is. So in the Roth IRA, your account's going to have so much growth in it, it's all tax-free. You can pull it all out after retirement, and you don't pay any taxes on it. So, like, if you were to put, if you were to invest for 30 years, 95% of the money in there is going to be what's growth, and only 5% is what's going to be what you put in. And so that 95% of growth is all tax-free. So they're hard to beat on the Roth side, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's usually good to have a little bit of both, honestly. So, how, how do you go about like, uh, I guess, beginning one of those? Yeah, it's it's super simple. Um, honestly, you just you can go to a bunch of different places that offer it, like Charles Schwab, um, Fidelity, Vanguard. Those are probably the three most popular. And it's as simple as open up like a checking account. You just go in, and you can download the app. Uh, and hit open account and then open it. They get your information and they link it with a bank account so that way you can fund it. And then the money goes in and then you just, you, you still need some guidance on what you want to purchase inside of those retirement accounts to actually invest the money. But, um, but yeah, I mean, setting one up is super, super simple. And honestly, even investing is super, super simple. Um, a lot of times... It's it's about time inside of the market, not timing the market. Um, it's not about oh, I need to put in ten grand when the market's at the lowest, so that way it grows. It's just about putting in ten grand ten t- ten different times or whatever. You know, it's just every single month I'm investing the same amount, fairly close to the same amount every single month, regardless of if the stock market's high or stock market's low or. Whatever's going on, coronavirus hits, anything, like, I just buy every single month and just be consistent with it. It'll always grow. It's always grown over time, so hopefully it'll keep doing that. <laughs> what, do you, what do you buy, like, um, your stocks on? <clears throat> I use Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab. Mm-hmm. So with Charles Schwab, I have a Roth IRA, and then I also have a, um, a it's called a, just a, it's just an individual brokerage account, so basically it's not a retirement account it's just an account where i can buy stocks and stuff in um and uh i'm not like a i'm not a financial advisor or anything so it's, it's not like financial <laughs> advice or whatever you know disclaimer but <laughs> but uh you know a lot of people say when you first start starting out investing open up an ira account and then basically just pick they have um what they're called is uh, target funds, target mutual funds. So what a mutual fund is, is essentially a mutual inside of each mutual fund, they purchase a ton of different stuff. So that way, instead of you having to go and buy 
five different stocks of companies. You buy one mutual fund and that mutual fund is buying those stocks. So a mutual fund is a way to diversify your portfolio without having to go and own 500 different stocks per company. You just own one mutual fund kind of thing. So they have, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> I just, I've just been sick like all week. So I'm just like finally getting over it. But thanks for coming. Yeah, <laughs> I took my test. So I'm, I'm <laughs> no, COVID negative. But but uh, what was I saying? Anyway, yeah. So the mutual funds, they have target retirement accounts. So for me, I'm 30. Your, tar- your, your retirement age is like 65 generally. So in 35 years, it's going to be 2055. So on Charles Schwab, they have a target retirement 2055 retire- mutual fund. And so you just put money into that mutual fund that has your target retirement date. And they'll, they will allocate it good enough for you. Um, once you get in that account, honestly, once you get into, you can keep funding it until you're at like about half a million dollars before you really should diversify it, I guess, or, or talk with a financial professional to kind of see what, what might work better. But yeah, it's simple. I mean, you know, open up an account, find that one fund and just keep sticking money into it. And then, um, as you get closer to retirement or as you get a lot of money in that account, that's when you want to start looking for a good financial advisor that can that can help you navigate it. Um, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm an accountant. Yeah, I'm an accountant, but there's there's a they coexist a lot, you know. They intermingle very well. So a lot of times you you want a good accountant and you want a good financial advisor. So eventually I would like to have a financial advisor in my firm. That's eventually the plan. So you don't have to go outside to find another financial planner or anything like that. We can do it all in house. So hopefully by the time you have half a million dollars, I'll have a financial advisor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What would be some advice that you give that you'd give to like, you know, maybe um, people getting out of college 20, 20 to 25 that are trying to start their own business, trying to, maybe um, become musicians, trying to work for themselves? Um, I would say just, um, you know, have your expectations low, honestly, I guess, in that sense. It, it takes time most of the time. A lot of people see see what's on social media, and it, social media doesn't, at least for me, it definitely doesn't portray how the real world is when I see business owning, running a business and starting a business. Um, so, I mean, I guess a better way to say it would be be patient when you're starting and uh, be prepared to work. I mean, I started my accounting company and I was still working at Best Buy part-time for like three years. I basically had a part-time Best Buy job and a full-time accounting job for almost really? three years, you know. Um, so... People <clears throat> people just think that they're going to have a great idea and then make $10,000 a month and uh, I don't see it I don't see it happening like that a lot. So <laughs> be prepared to work and um and uh be patient honestly and uh just be consistent. Those three things will will get you so far. Consistency is key to everything, honestly. Definitely. Um what do you think what do you think about the rise of like app 
uh, stock stock apps like uh, Robinhood. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know. I don't. Um, it's kind of a they're like a double edged sword, really. Mm-hmm. It's good because more people are definitely um, aware of investing and stuff like that and cryptocurrencies. People are more aware of like, okay, I I need to invest and my money can work for me. But with the with the Robin Hoods and cryptocurrency, a lot of people are treating it more like gambling than investing, I think, a lot of times, you know. People are throwing their life savings into just a, a meme stock or, or cryptocurrency, hoping that it's gonna quadruple, you know. And uh that's that's like more like gambling than it is investing. So it's a double edged sword. It's it's educating people and and helping them learn more but it's also dangerous for people that are kind of gambling with it yeah what what do you think about like bitcoin uh i mean i i like cryptocurrency i think i think the the benefits of like bitcoin and ethereum the the idea of of um the idea of it makes a lot of sense you know what i mean and um I don't see it like crashing down to nothing. So I, I think it's definitely going to be here to stay. Uh, I buy cryptocurrency every month. Really? So um, I don't do a, a big percentage of it. I do usually about 5% of whatever I invest in that month. 5% goes into cryptocurrency and then the other 95% is going into my retirement accounts. Um, you know, more traditional, like those mutual funds and stuff like that. So I buy cryptocurrency. I think it's good. I I think um I think it's good, but I like I said it's like a double-edged sword too. Mm-hmm. People think it's like a get rich quick thing, and I I I'm seeing it more of like as an investment kind of thing cuz uh you make I've been making great returns on my cryptocurrency honestly, but it's it's so volatile too. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin was at like 9 grand last year, it's at 60, it was at 64 a couple of days ago. Um, and it was, it broke 50 back in February and then it fell back down into the thirties almost. And that was up to 60. So it's, uh, it's definitely fun, but I wouldn't put a hundred percent of my, my stuff in there. That's why I'm at 5%. <laughs> um, are you in uh, Shibu, 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 Shibu Inu? <laughs> no, not yet. No, <laughs> no. What do you think about that one? Um, I don't, I haven't really looked into it all that much. Um, I I think I I swear I saw something. It was up at like some crazy percentage a couple of days ago. Three hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It kind of shows the, some of the flaws too with with all this stuff. Because the more you buy, the more value it has. And if you get a ton of people buying it to get a bunch of value out of it, it works. I mean, that's what they did with GameStop and and stuff like that. Um. So. I I only the only cryptocurrencies I buy is Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm-hmm. That's all I buy right now. Uh, those are the only two I trust, I guess. My friends always telling me, "Oh, you should go buy like Litecoin and XRP and all this other stuff," but uh, that's just too much, too complex for me. Mm-hmm. I'll stick with Bitcoin and Ethereum for now, and we'll see what happens. For sure. So, um, have you? Did you ever come across like a a crypto scam, like a social media influencer? really hyping up a, a currency just to watch it all fall when they get their money out i haven't you haven't no have you? Uh, yeah i saw a few yeah you know i'm i'm kind of tapped in with like the fucking instagram crowd and 
yeah, that happened pretty often. I feel like um, people just using their clout and influence to to take advantage of of people that don't know anything, you know. Yeah, people that are like just desperate to make a ton of money quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get rich quick is get rich quick is um, scary. Definitely, get, getting rich slow is not sexy, but it's usually the way it works. <laughs> I know I I watched a YouTube video from Graham Stephan. I don't know if you've heard of him on YouTube, but mm-hmm. he um he was a real estate agent and uh, now he's investing. So he makes he makes a video pretty much every day. Um, mostly financial based, but he made a video talking about some crypto currency that Logan Paul, I think, was pushing really hard. Mil- and Milf coin. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> and something, it. yeah. yeah so, Milf coin. Yeah. So um, I watched a video about that, and that sounded pretty suspect from the <laughs> Stephen Graham video, that's for sure. Yeah. So. That's exactly who I was kind of like talking about. Was it? You know, like, but there's a lot of other people too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, people are just gullible these days, too, with social media sometimes. Definitely. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. In the accounting world, does that kind of translate? Are there, like, scams? Um, you come across? Mm, no, I don't, I don't know. There's, I've seen too many scams, really, I guess, like, social media-wise. I, I feel like the biggest scam is probably some of these courses some of these people are offering, um, it's just, it's, it's crazy that they'll sell a book or a course or something. And, um, it's just $500 for a course. And I'm like, how are you getting your value out of that? You know what I mean? So, but other than that, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's a scam. It's just kind of taking advantage of gullible people. I think you're getting something for your money. I just don't think it, I think it's overvalued, I guess, but yeah, no, I don't really. I can't really think of too many scams or anything, honestly. Um, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, I I think uh, recently in the news, um, some some Biden administrators were talking about doing the six hundred dollar um, transaction. Like mm-hmm. They'll look into it. Do it. Um, can you speak on that? Do, what do you What do you think about that? I mean, uh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, I, I sorry, I really don't understand a hundred percent how they are going to want to do it. Um, I know, so I know, like your your money transferring, like your cash apps and Venmo and stuff like that. If they think you're a business account, they're going to start issuing you tax forms at the end of the year to show how much money you you came in, you brought in. And uh, it's just all credit card processing machines have been doing those tax forms for a long time. Like um, like if you have a Square, you know, POS system, Square sends you a tax document at the end of every year showing how much money you ran through Square. So those, um, those cash apps and Venmo and stuff are going to start doing that if they think you're a business. And then, yeah, the Biden... Um, administration it's it's all part of that infrastructure package basically and uh they want to monitor your bank account for over if it's over six hundred dollars uh i think the main reason is they want to increase audits so they want to make sure the money going into your bank account is matching what you're filing on your tax returns um i mean i'm super against it honestly i don't i think that's kind of like a violation of privacy i mean they i guess they have access to your bank account anytime they want to anyway but 
$600 isn't a lot of money either. I mean, I don't know why you're, you, you know, they're going after people that are doing $600 transactions, but these people that are doing $6 million transactions, they don't seem to mind too much because they're funding everything, you know what I mean? So mm. I, I feel like they're, they're, they want to increase the, the audits. They want to double the staff in the IRS right now uh, to increase audits, to increase tax revenue. And so that that bank monitoring is all based off of trying to get more audits done. Mm. Um, but like I said, I, I think $600, that's ridiculous. And what I don't understand is on a business return, that $600 is income sure but they're not going to keep track of all of your expenses they're not going to keep track uh they don't know where that 600 dollars came from you know i mean what if my grandma gave me 600 dollars wedding gift or wedding gift or something mm. the government's gonna tax me on that yeah or, that's, that's rent for most people yeah yeah maybe it's, not even half their rent mm-hmm, yeah it's i don't i don't know so we'll see what happens with that i mean I'm surprised the banks haven't lobbied against it because the banks are the ones that are going to have to come up with some type of software to track all of these millions and millions of bank accounts that have over $600 balance in them. <laughs> like, So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with the infrastructure bill. There's a lot of crazy things in there. Um, and um, definitely, some, definitely there's going to be a lot of changes again next year once this bill passes. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Do you think, do you think, um, time, like financial times in America have been better or worse under the Biden administration? I guess it depends on your definition of financial, you know, uh, the stock markets have been doing great. Um, they've been doing great basically since summer of 2020, they've been doing really good. Um, cryptocurrencies have been doing really good. The housing market is depends on i guess affordable housing is like impossible almost to find anymore so that's doing terrible so it's kind of hard to i guess classify the economy in that sense i mean we've printed out so much money in the last year the inflation rate is super high but then also with inflation rate i don't you know a lot some of the inflation rate is attributed to all the money we printed for all the stimulus checks and everything and all those business loans, all the the payroll protection loans that were issued. But then also part of the stimulus is due to um, supply issues. So there's, there's um, supply chain issues, which is driving up the cost of things, which makes it have more inflation, you know? So Mm. I don't know. I mean, COVID between COVID COVID affected the whole world economy, which obviously affects the U.S. economy heavily, especially what's going on in China, because that's where most of our stuff comes from. And then um, um, the elections always affect the economy, too, the policies being passed. So uh, I know and it's just like a really messy time right now. I'd be real. I'm really interested to see where we're at here in like maybe 18 months, you know, a little further out of COVID. And uh, all the supply chains are kind of back and running again to kind of see where we're at. So mm-hmm. it's it's still kind of messy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You spoke on the housing market. Um, do you think it's inevitable that it will it'll crash? Um, no, I don't. I really don't think it's going to crash. Um, like the housing market of two thousand and eight, the crash of two thousand and eight was because 
they were giving houses to people that can't afford houses basically there was there was um way too much debt for the housing market is what it was this current market right now the problem is is there's not enough inventory um so i don't think that it will crash uh i have a i work with a ton of real estate agents and i ask them every time when they come in hi how's the housing market you know and um, it's at least in Pueblo in particular, the housing market's definitely slowed down. Um, it was it was white hot crazy for like a year because um, everyone wanted to buy a house and there was not a lot of houses for sale. So the housing prices went way through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've heard from the real estate agents I talked to, the, it's in Pueblo it's definitely slowed down. And throughout the country, it's slowed down in most most spots in the sense of the housing prices are are um, housing prices are getting listed and actually getting some price reductions. We're not bidding eighty thousand dollars over asking and stuff like that. So it's slowing down. I don't think it will crash. I think it's going to slow down though. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need more. We need more inventory in the housing market, and we've needed more inventory for like thirty years now. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't see it crashing though. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about like, um, overpopulation and stuff like that? You think that is gonna, I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't even know where the question is going, but <laughs> you know, with, with more people it comes like less jobs, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess less opportunities for people. What happens when? When money stops moving. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's um, honestly like for me, I think like artificial intelligence is really going to change things really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some politicians that have talked about uh, universal income. Basically, everyone gives a check every month for the same rate. And that's basically because they anticipate artificial intelligence to start doing the jobs of a lot of people. And they're basically going to charge the people that own those artificial intelligent machines or whatever, you know, that are losing the jobs. They're going to charge them more in taxes, and that's how they're going to do that, do, do the uh, universal income. So, I mean, that could that could definitely be around the corner. Um, you know, most grocery stores and stuff don't really have cashiers anymore. Um with the cars, I feel like truck driving, I feel like a lot of transportation jobs will probably be gone in 10 to 15 years. Uh, I don't know. That might be, I might be like Tesla fanboying out on that number. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. It's it's possible, you know, mm-hmm. to have the, the trucks and everything just delivering, their, delivering the goods themselves. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see about that. Yeah, the money, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I... I guess I'm just optimistic, I guess, but I don't really know that the money will stop moving. I, I think I think people are tired, though, of working shitty jobs for shitty pay, you know. So you see that with all the unemployment, all the unemployment happening now, and that's even without the, the COVID boost. So people are just quitting their jobs because 12 bucks an hour at McDonald's, like, like, I don't know if I can cuss, but like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to flip burgers for 12 bucks an hour. Like, fuck that. I could go drive Uber and make 12 bucks an hour and I do it when I want to do it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I think a lot of people, oh, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of opportunity for like freelance work and self-employment work. And people are realizing like, I'm making just as much money on my own time doing that than working at like a Walmart or, or a McDonald's or something, you know what I mean? So I think the freelancing and I think self-employment is definitely becoming more and more popular. Mm-hmm. People are seeing the benefits of it. Definitely. Um, so as far as freelancing, you know, I, I talk to a lot of musicians, so I try to correlate this with that. Um, how, how would you, uh, how would a musician go about like writing off like a music video or like, how would they make an LLC of themselves? Yeah. I mean, basically they're a business. Um, you, you, you go online, you get an LLC set up, um, you get a, um, an EIN number for your business, whether it's, you know, Brad Doss Music LLC or whatever. I mean, it could even be just their name, you know, it could just be Brad Doss LLC and inside that that's now a company and that company's income is, you know, however you get paid being a musician, streams and shows and merch sales and album sales and stuff like that. And then all of the all of the money it costs you to create that income as a musician is a deduction. So it's it's the same as how I do an accounting how I do my personal taxes, you know, for my accounting firm. Here's here's my income and then here's what it costs me to produce that income and I write it off. There's you know, the cost of shooting a music video, if they bought the cameras and they or they hired somebody to do it, all the cost of that, they had to buy um outfits for the music video, like the cost of that the cost to drive from your office, your business location, whether it's your home or you have an office or a studio, to drive from there to the video shoot, you can write off that mileage. You know what I mean? There's tons of options to there's tons of business expenses you can write off and and you don't even need an LLC to write that stuff off, but that just gives you a lowers your audit risk if you're an LLC and it gives you um liability protection if someone were to sue you. So mm-hmm. But it's just you claim it on the tax returns. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's making money that's not on a W-2 has an amazing opportunity to be very creative on their tax returns, whether they're door dashing or whether they're making music, whether they're making podcasts, whether they're shooting photo video. um, Your tax world is wide open once you become a business owner. Mm -hmm. So, Are you... um are you working with clients that work for themselves like musicians or artists or um anything like that i don't really have i don't have any musicians that i work with um i work with a couple people that um are just social media influencers essentially um so that's kind of that's kind of an interesting one but i mean it's cool because we write off their business trips you know because they film it all post it online um but uh, there's a, a lot of the companies I work with are are just one, two people inside the company, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I work with a ton of different people. Would you be willing to work with like, up-and-coming musicians? That- oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, for me right now in the sense of what industry you're in, um, I like working with people in industries that I find interesting or that are new, you know, like – 
um music industry yeah that would be super cool to work with somebody in, in those industries definitely um and uh it's it's not just like um I don't know, I'm trying to think, just like some boring bookkeeping, you know, it's kind of some fun, <laughs> some fun accounting work um, to do that with musicians. For me right now, the the bigger thing is um, I'm just so busy and I get so many people that, that want to work with me that as far as like on a month to month basis, I do have, uh, I guess, I like I usually start out about 300 bucks a month to do month to month tax work and bookkeeping and stuff so a lot of times like smaller businesses or something or like if someone's just starting out a lot of times 300 bucks a month isn't really like a feasible form you know Mm -hmm. so people like that i'll still work with them we usually do like um semi-annual meetings like we meet in the middle of the year and then we meet for taxes and stuff like that and kind of help them out like that so and then as they grow then we can move to like month-to-month things but yeah, I love I love working with new industries and stuff like that. Um, it's just it keeps my job exciting too. It's fun. Mm-hmm. So, and it's it's uh, you get to meet you get to meet a bunch of cool people. You know what I mean? So, hell yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I could um, I could definitely imagine some musicians watching this. They're learning for the first time that you know that microphone they have in their studio in their home studio it could have been written off or something like that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, even if uh, if you're a musician, um, and and you have a a normal W two job, you know, like writing off your musician stuff and like taking a loss on that helps you in your W two job too. It brings your income down, so you get you know you're gonna get more money back. So yeah, there's a ton of benefits. Like I said, if if you're making money not from a W two employer, that's like you definitely need to be talking with an accountant at least once a year during tax time for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause they'll be, they'll be able to save you a good accountant will be able to save you way more than what they're going to charge you to file a tax return instead of just putting it on turbo tax, you know, or going agent our block. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there any, is there any information that you want to share with the people, you know, before we wrap up this podcast? Um, you know, I guess, um, a little, self plug maybe yeah so um pretty much on all my socials it's brad underscore dos underscore df underscore inc inc so yeah if you um want to follow me i have you i have a youtube channel tiktok and then i have instagram and then on facebook it's just dos financial inc is my business page so if you want to check that out tax season is closer than you think so honestly the best time to plan for your taxes is november and december so right now we're we're setting up meetings for basically just tax planning season is what this is right now so if you are one of those people who um thinks that working with an accountant can benefit you you're making money on the side you're doing some kind of contract labor you're a musician and making money you know what i mean um even if you're a musician not making money, but you're spending money, mm-hmm. it's still beneficial. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, reach out to me. We can at least set up a meeting because tax planning season is way more important than than, than tax season. So, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, I want to thank you, too, because uh, this is, like, a really cool setup you have going on here. I respect the hustle. Like, I really love it. So thank I'm you, glad, you, uh, glad you reached out to me for sure. Hell, yeah, man. Love to have you on. Love to have you back. 
maybe I could introduce you to like some guys that I think would really benefit from this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll have all your links in the description. Yeah, this has been Street Champs. Peace.